Book Nine, Chapter Eight of A Class Book of Old Testament History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio. A Class Book of Old Testament History by George Frederick McClear. Book Nine, Chapter Eight solomon's reign continued second kings nine to eleven second chronicles eight to nine b c one thousand and five to nine seventy five before the temple was thus completed solomon had proceeded to construct other magnificent buildings amongst these was a sumptuous palace for himself surrounded with beautiful pleasure grounds which stood within the city opposite to the temple and occupied thirteen years in building first kings seven one another palace he built for pharaoh's daughter who he had espoused and beside it the house of the forest of lebanon one hundred and seventy five feet long half that measurement in width and fifty feet high the roof which was made of cedar was supported by four rows of cedar columns and the whole received light from three rows of windows on each side adjoining it were the women's apartments a banqueting hall and spacious and luxuriant gardens other works were designed for use and security among these were artificial reservoirs for supplying the city with water and the strengthening or repairing of a fortress called milo first kings nine fifteen already begun by david second samuel verse nine solomon also fortified balath gezer and the two beth horons on the great road toward the sea coast the strong and important host of hazor to defend the entrance from syria and assyria megiddo to guard the esdraelon plain while for the protection of his eastern caravans he built tadmor afterwards called palmyra in the syrian wilderness and tipshaw or thepsacus on the euphrates second chronicles eight three to six his reign was a period of great commercial activity on the northwest the important kingdom of phoenicia was united with him by the bonds of a strict alliance once only did hiram king of tyre express any dissatisfaction with the dealings of his powerful friend solomon had bestowed upon him twenty cities which he had conquered in the land of galilee on the borders of asher but when the tyrian king came forth to see them he was much dissatisfied one of them named kabul now kabul about eight or nine miles east of akka in his own phoenician tongue denoted displeasure and this name he gave to them all first kings nine ten through thirteen one but phoenician enterprise was turned to account in other directions having possession of the eastern shore of the red sea solomon strengthened the ports of elath and ezion geber the giant's backbone and with the assistance of tyrian shipwrights constructed a fleet which sailed to ophir and returned with gold silver ivory and other products first kings nine twenty six through twenty eight two the tyrian alliance opened up also the traffic of the mediterranean on every shore washed by this sea 
Phoenician energy had founded colonies and opened trading ports, of which the chief was Tarshish, or Tartessus, the Peru of Tyrian adventure, on the southern coast of Spain, at this time abounding in gold and silver mines. Hither Solomon's fleet sailed in company with that of Hiram, and brought back every three years of its precious products. First Kings 10.22 3. Another important outlet for trade was supplied by Egypt. Not only had Solomon espoused a daughter of Pharaoh, but in defiance of the Mosaic law, Deuteronomy 17.16, he exchanged the produce of his own country for the horses and chariots of Egypt, as also for the linen yarn spun from the flax which the nile valley yielded in abundance first kings ten twenty eight through twenty nine four last but not least important was the inland trade of the arabian peninsula caravans of the native tribes transported on camels the spices incense gold precious stones and valuable woods of the country especially the almog or sandal and brought them into the dominions of solomon or if they were intended for his tyrian allies to gezer and beth horon whence they were transported to the port of joppa but though these several branches of commerce opened up to the hebrew kingdom many and various sources of national prosperity and tended to multiply the luxuries and magnificence of the court this prosperity was on the surface only. Hidden beneath its external splendor were several cankers, which surely, though secretly, undermined the true life of the nation. First of all, this massing of gold and silver, as doubtless the Jewish lawgiver had foreseen, could only be brought about by a process of severe taxation, and while forced to bear burdens heavy and grievous, the nation saw the tide of commercial profits instead of being fairly distributed among the people flowing only into the royal exchequer secondly these commercial alliances seriously affected the nation's allegiance to jehovah in imitation of other oriental empires solomon surrounded himself with a numerous harem having seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines first kings eleven one through three Besides the daughter of Pharaoh, he espoused women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, and as he grew old they turned away his heart from the worship of the true God. Three times indeed during the year he celebrated the festivals of Jehovah, First Kings 9.25, but the licentious worship of Baal and Ashtaroth, of Moloch and Chemosh, found its way even into the holy city and their hideous orgies were enacted hard by the oracles of god first kings eleven five through eight at first perhaps there may have been few signs of weakness in a fabric so vast and so magnificent in the figurative language of the sacred record silver was in jerusalem as stones and cedar trees as sycamores judah and israel were many as the sand which is by the sea in multitude eating and drinking and making merry in the enjoyment of profound peace every man dwelt safely under his vine and under his fig-tree princes administered the government of various portions of the empire first kings four one through six 
officers deputed for the purpose provided victual for the royal table and barley and straw for solomon's forty thousand chariot horses his twelve thousand war horses first kings four twenty six and his swift mules kings and princes of subject provinces brought in their tribute at a fixed rate year by year first kings ten twenty five and when the queen of sheba came with her great train from distant yemen in arabia to prove the king with hard questions and beheld his palace and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cup-bearers and the ascent from his own palace to the temple there was no spirit left in her and she confessed that half of his fame and magnificence had not been told her first kings ten one through nine before long however clouds began to gather portending the coming storm once at gibeon on the occasion of his accession again after the dedication of the temple first kings three five four two the lord had appeared to solomon and on condition that he continued to walk in the ways of his father had promised to crown him with prosperity and establish his dynasty but at the same time had warned him that any apostasy would bring down severe punishment but promise and warning had been alike forgotten and when the lord appeared for the third time it was to announce that the kingdom should be rent from him first kings eleven nine through thirteen one the quarter whence danger first threatened was on the south in the land of edom when joab invaded that country during the late reign and for six months directed an indiscriminate massacre of the male population hadad who was of the blood royal and at that time a little child was carried off into egypt where he was hospitably received by the reigning pharaoh and rapidly rising in the royal esteem obtained the hand of Taphanes, the sister of the egyptian queen on the death of david and of joab he returned from egypt and thirsting to break off the hard yoke of jacob from the neck of esau organized a revolt in his native land and began to threaten solomon's communication with the Atlantic gulf first kings eleven fifteen through twenty two two a second adversary appeared in the northeastern provinces of the empire rezin the syrian the son of eliada flying from the defeat which his feudal lord hadadezer king of zobah had sustained at the hands of david put himself at the head of a band of adventurers and seized damascus here he set up a petty kingdom and became an adversary to all israel all the days of solomon and an impediment to the king's commerce with tadmor and the euphrates first kings eleven twenty three through twenty five three but a far more formidable adversary appeared nearer home when solomon was constructing the fortifications of milo under the citadel of zion he observed the industry and activity of jeroboam already known as a man of valor the son of an ephraimite named nebat perceiving his worth the king not only employed him on the works but elevated him to the rank of collector of the taxes from his native tribe on one occasion as he was going out of jerusalem jeroboam encountered the prophet ahijah of the ancient sanctuary of shiloh 
and accompanied him to a neighboring field when they were alone the prophet rent the new outer robe in which he was attired into twelve pieces and gave ten of them to jeroboam assuring him at the same time that he should reign over ten of the tribes and that if he proved faithful to his laws god would establish his dynasty as he had done that of david first kings eleven twenty six through thirty nine news of this mysterious intimation in some way reached the ears of solomon and he sought to put jeroboam to death but the latter fled for refuge to the court of shishak shishonk ah one a powerful monarch who was bent on restoring egypt to its former greatness here he remained during the rest of solomon's reign departing from his earlier policy the king had laid the burden of compulsory labor not only on the remnant of the canaanites but on the Israelites themselves. 1 Kings 5:13 and 14. This increased the old jealousy of the great house of Joseph, and a man like Jeroboam was certain at any time to rally round him all the national discontent and ill-feeling during the once prosperous monarch. Well, the signs of coming danger were thus becoming more and more evident, Solomon's reign of forty years came to a close, B.C. 975. The hopes he might have inspired when first elevated to the throne had not been fulfilled. He had indeed built the promised temple. He had adorned Jerusalem with sumptuous palaces. His wisdom and learning had attracted the notice and roused the envy of distant monarchs. But he had not been mindful, save for a short time, while the example of David and the instructions of his preceptor Nathan were fresh in his memory of the vocation to which he had been called. His kingdom exhibited some of the worst faults of other Oriental monarchies. He had violated each and all of the fundamental principles of the kingdom as laid down by the great lawgiver of his nation. He had encouraged the worst forms of idolatry, had multiplied wives, had amassed enormous wealth, had laid heavy burdens on the people, and, sated with pomp and splendor and selfish luxuries, he had confessed the vanity of his life. Ecclesiastes 1, 12-18 The kingdom which Abraham had seen in vision, stretching from the river of Egypt to the gates of Damascus, had indeed been realized, but its unity was not destined to survive the reign of the son of David. End of Book 9, Chapter 8 Recording by Lawrence Trask